Hello, welcome to season six of the Keeping Things Alive podcast. My name is Laura Evans, and I am a writer, deep listener, and disillusioned environmental lawyer living in Western New York. Season six of the Keeping Things Alive podcast is here to explore the opportunities and challenges for human beings as we all live together on this beautiful, harsh, and interconnected planet Earth. This season, we are going to pay special attention to the healing properties of plants, the legalization of cannabis in New York State, tarot, and what is going on with the police in Erie County. Hello, welcome to the June 2021 Info Collage episode of the Keeping Things Alive podcast. Today is Wednesday, June 30th, 2021, and so I'm just getting this in at the very last minute, the last day uh, for June. And yeah, I am excited to be here and to share the different pieces of information that I have for all of you today. Uh, Yeah, this has been an absolutely wild month um, in, you know, just the world and for all the different reasons so much has happened. Um, But also for Western New York and Buffalo in particular, we had a very wild and, you know, just a total upset, I guess, of a primary election last week for the mayor of the city of Buffalo, uh, as well as uh, the the primary election for who gets to run as a you know, Democrat and a Republican for the Erie County Sheriff. And so I'm, yeah, I'm excited to talk about that. And yeah, it's just so much has happened in this past month that, yeah, I'm just squeaking in at the end with this uh, info collage, and I'm I'm really excited about it. Uh, yeah, I've been trying to organize these different little pieces of information and talking to different people, and yeah, two, two of those pieces of information kind of fell through the cracks, and now they're on me to explain to you, and that would be... Um, a particular herb to talk about. Uh, I've been, you know, working with herbalists, and I, I have a few in the in the pipeline to talk in future info collages. But I didn't actually talk to someone and record about a plant today or this month, and so I'm going to talk about one of my favorite summertime backyard plants uh, in a few minutes. Uh, it's called plantain, and then I'm also going to talk about what's going on with the police in Erie County. Um, I originally have intended this to be um, me sharing different people's stories of their experiences with the police in Erie County, and I do still intend to do that, Um, but also just the general what's going on right now. um, Yeah, we do have an Erie County Sheriff's race that is happening this year. The primaries just happened last week. Now we know who the candidates are, and it's going to be a number of months uh, before the general election in November. And I just, I want to keep people informed about what's going on. And yeah, uh, so, and then after that, um, so yeah, I'm going to keep talking. You're going to hear from me about a plant. You're going to hear about me from the sheriff's race perspective. And then the next piece I'm really excited about is talking about the legalization of cannabis in New York State. And I found... Uh, I've been talking with them for a little while and then just able to uh, all sit in a room together this past week 
Um, but yeah, really uh, talk to people who are already in the cannabis industry and excited to uh, about the legalization of it. And so just trying to talk with as many experts as possible. And yeah, so you're going to be hearing, they, they will introduce themselves in the future, but Ni, Pavel, and Reggie, uh, they're going to be uh, introducing themselves. They all have their own um, cannabis-related businesses and really excited to hear from them. And then the last uh, the last segment of information, we uh, talk again to, or I talk again to Eva Danielle, and we pull a tarot card, and it is the Page of Wands today. And so, or this month, I guess, it happened, I don't know, when we talked, we talked this month, maybe like a week or two ago, and no, it was, a, it was after the primary. So yeah, just last week. Um, after yeah, so the um, the city of Buffalo, uh, the the only person who yeah the the winner of the Democratic primary um, is India Walton, and so she is the mayor elect, um, the incumbent, which means the person who has been our mayor and for the past fifteen years, Byron Brown. He has not conceded the win. He is apparently launching a write-in campaign, which needs to be taken very seriously um, because, uh, yeah, a lot of people, you know, what is a primary election? What happened? Why can't, why can't Byron Brown still run uh, in November, like on a different line or whatever? And, you know, he just kind of put all his eggs in one basket that he was going to get the Democratic nomination and he didn't. And now um, all the people who have been comfortable for the past 15 years or have been working in this space and working with him, now everything is all of a sudden changed. And I mean, in like I am I'm very excited about all of the changes that have the potential to happen. Uh, India is uh, India Walton, who is, yeah, won, won the primary fair and square. Uh, she is a democratic socialist and that word has been flying around in both positive and negative ways ever since it happened i can i can see and feel the fear-mongering and i am yeah deeply disturbed by it and just seeing how um byron brown has um, aligned himself with some really like racist corporate interests like carl paladino and other developers to try to do this writing campaign and spread fear across western new york um it's really disturbing and i yeah but even though that's happening i'm just i'm seeing so many people who are so excited um about this new potential chapter in I mean, it is. It's not even potential. It is happening. Like, uh, yeah, India did did win this primary. And so now um, moving into the general election and, yeah, just seeing seeing where this goes. There's a lot of really important conversations about, like, the role of government, um, who's getting jobs out of different administrations. And, yeah, again, like, I've talked on this podcast many times about environmental law and administrative law and how I've just really experienced it in really problematic ways um and so yeah just being excited about like just the possibilities of new ways that we can um support the people and the planet like in western new york um 
yeah, like the city of Buffalo is a is kind of a strange place. You know, you hear about the Buffalo Bills and like the Buffalo Bills are actually their stadium is in a suburb in Orchard Park, which is like 99% white. Um, maybe it's 97% at this point. I'm not really sure. But um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of identity um, throughout Western New York about the city of Buffalo. And now, yeah, there's this new mayor elect and everyone shocked what is a primary, all of that. And so I just, yeah, I just wanted to speak to that and say that um, it's going to be a really interesting uh, summer and all the way to November. And I'm really looking forward to sharing information with people, um, coming up with new ideas and figuring out how we can all work together to build something better than there is now. Um, yeah, I that's that is what I will say about that. So I guess I'm going to start off by doing this um this information uh, segment on what is happening with the police in Erie County. Um, and, you know, this has been, you know, I'm trying to do like one personal story of people's experience with the police every month. And like I said, I didn't ask someone else, but I can talk about my own personal experiences. And I think just kind of in contrast to uh, David and Kenny, who spoke in the last info collage, um, they're both uh, black men who have had different um, run-ins with the police that have been really, you know, scary. And, you know, you can you can listen to um, what they have to say on that episode. And then to contrast that with me, who is a middle aged white woman who um, grew up in Eden and Hamburg, has lived in Austin, Texas, and then moved back to Buffalo in 2015. Um, and then I've been here since I, yeah, since I've come back here in 2015, I've been pulled over once and I was let off with a warning. Um, I have definitely been to different protests and I've definitely experienced, um, different like police uh, things happening in those settings. And yeah, just uh, feeling like how, you know, when you're at a, a protest and or a rally or a march or whatever, and you know, you're all marching, there's this, there's just an energy to it and a power. And then when the police show up, and then depending on if there's like, you know, three, or then there's five, and then there's 20. And then they have, you know, their giant like huge like military looking equipment or they're just standing there on the street like all of those things I've really noticed do make a very big difference and there is you know there's just a tension and there's so many people who have been traumatized by the police that when you then bring them into uh situations it just it it makes things um yeah much much more uh much more tense. Um, there's just so much more on the line. There's such an imbalance of power. And um, I can just, I can, I've just witnessed that many times. Um, how, you know, like when we were like last year and the George Floyd protests kicked off, I mean, the first one that happened in Buffalo and then the curfew and all of the um, helicopters flying all over to monitor people and all the things that happened and just like the heightened militarization was just, it was really insane. And, um, and I'm really like proud of all the people who, um, you know, joined and, uh, showed up for, um, Black Lives Matter protests in Buffalo. And I, yeah, I can just, um, yeah, I guess those have been my experiences, like just generally, um, noticing that like there's protests where there's a lot of police presence and there's ones with less and, it's just, yeah, there, there's a difference. Um, I would also say that, um, 
I think something that had I I've been interested in the uh, Erie County Sheriff's race uh, from the like since I've moved back here in 2015, and I did cover cover it um, somewhat extensively on the podcast back when the last the last election was happening in what was that 2017? I was kind of covering it, but not quite as um, intentionally. And um, yeah, that so the Erie County Sheriff's race is happening. And I think something that deeply um, affects uh, me and something that I care about in this is that if you are um, arrested in Erie County anywhere, um, you end up going to the Erie County Holding Center in downtown Buffalo. So there's a, like, I know that as a white woman, I'm, I'm less likely to get pulled over. I'm less likely to get arrested. All of those things. I'm much less likely to end up in the holding center. But still, if something goes down, that is where I will be. And that place, many people have died there over the years. Um, they're deeply inhumane conditions. If you walk by the holding center, you can hear people who are yelling through the vents um, about the inhumane conditions. And I, yeah, I just... Everybody that lives in Erie County, that's where they they go. Um, and so this is just this is an issue that affects everyone in Western New York, but it deeply impacts people of color and um, black men in particularly in the city of Buffalo. And so, yeah, I guess I all of these things are just saying that, you know, there are there are many um, people of color who I deeply care about and am always concerned about whenever they're going anywhere in Erie County. And so. Yeah, um, this this sheriff's race is a big deal, and um, I yeah the primary was pretty messy. There were a couple of candidates. Miles um, Carter was running, um, and he did not win. Uh, Kim Beatty won, and so that was a bit of a surprise as well. Um, but Brian Gold did not win, um, and so now and then on the Republican side, um, a person named John Garcia won the primary. And so now it's going to be Kim Beattie um, running against uh, John Garcia for the Erie County Sheriff's seat. And it's just, it's really, it's really important in this situation that something is done deeply about the holding center and something is deeply done about this crazy system that has been set up and has, it's, I think it's employing like 300 people in the sheriff's department to just really um be a cause of a lot of fear and tension in our community and then just this death trap that is the erie county holding center in the middle of the city um so yeah those are my experiences with the police that's what's going on with the police in erie county from my end and i am just really looking forward to covering this every month and talking about the issues because yeah it is it's so interesting how this area, like people really do say like, you know, when you go out of town and you're from the suburbs, you say, I'm from Buffalo. And it's like, well, you're from Erie County. And yeah, that is the city in the middle of it. And then, um, yeah, so there's, there's ways that like everybody in the county is connected. We all end up going to the holding center if um, something, and these are people that were arrested also, I would say, not even convicted. Like if you're just waiting for your trial, or I'm sorry, waiting to speak to a judge, it obviously wouldn't go to a trial immediately, but like this is where you end up. This is where you wait. Um, I will say one more thing about that. In contrast, I was speaking to a woman who uh, spent some time in, in Portland and uh, she um, 
just she ended up being in the a holding center in Portland, and that is more like a doctor's waiting room where there's televisions and benches. And so I just want to be clear that like our holding center is not like other holding centers, and it doesn't have to be this way. Um, okay, so that is my segment on what is happening with the police in Erie County for June. Okay, so now I'm going to cover the herbalist portion of the info collage. And yeah, I'm going to step in and do it myself because, um, yeah, I, I realized that I have learned so much information from Sarah Sorcy, who is the owner of Sweet Flag Herbs. She was on the info collage last month talking about a plant called Self Heal. And yeah, like, I've gone on so many backyard herb walks and have incorporated the information that she's given to me into my regular life. And so, you know, I will be reaching out to more herbalists uh, for future episodes, but I thought that I would talk about my favorite plant that I use all the time in the summer, um, and it is called plantain. So, uh, yeah, plantain is a, it's like, it's got an oval like shape of a leaf and then these really deeply grooved vertical veins that run up and down. I have a, I have a leaf in front of me right now. So there's like one up the middle. So it's like one, two, three, four, and then like five, like really deep, like vertical veins in its leaf, but there's really nothing branching out from those vertical veins. So it's almost like it's striped by veins and it kind of goes in like a circular cluster and it's like it's all connected in the middle. These leaves kind of go around in a circle and they're really low to the ground. So a lot of um, a lot of lawns in Western New York, and I don't exactly know it's full range, but it's all over here. I pretty much anywhere that I go, any lawn I can find it in. And I do remember a few years ago, I was in the Adirondacks and I also um, was able to find it in the woods there. So I believe it has a very large range. Actually, I know that that's true because about what I'm just about to tell you. So the history of this plant is that it is not natively found in North America and it was brought over by uh, white settlers from Europe. And the, um, the Native Americans called it white man's foot because it seemed to pop up wherever the white man walked. And Native Americans who are very good at plant medicine, I mean, all of our medicine is plant medicine. You know, we, we take chemical compounds from it, turn it into pharmaceuticals. But yeah, indigenous people are, are the original medicinal plant people. And so they started incorporating this new new plant plantain into their herbal medicine and um so yeah this plant plantain is really shocking um I'm also as I've been looking it up I also see like in the highlands of Scotland uh plantain is called slan loose uh, meaning the plant of healing and it really does have some super powerful healing properties um there's a chemical in it called alan alatonin um and it's a skin soothing agent that helps with cell growth and so i'm gonna start with the reason why it's my favorite plant the reason that it's my favorite plant is that um the reason it's my favorite plant is that whenever i get a mosquito bite or a bee sting or or a bug bite of any kind I go out and I look for plantain in my yard, whatever yard I'm in, it's there. I pick the best looking 
leaf that I can find, the one that looks like the greenest and like it hasn't been like peed on by a dog or chopped off. And, you know, like I try to find something that like has been growing like kind of to the side, but still probably in a yard. And then I take a piece of it and I start chewing it up. And the one of the properties of plantain is that it's very mucilaginous. So if you start chewing it, um, it starts producing this mucus and the combination of the leaves and your spit and then the mucus that it does, if you put that directly on a bug bite, um, especially like right when it happens, um, but even afterwards, like it will relieve the itches. But if I do it like right when it happens, it almost eliminates the bite. It's really shocking. So I like, I make what's called a spit poultice. I chew up the leaf. I put it on the spot and then I just let it dry there for like five minutes or something. I just kind of like go about and like pieces of it fall off and I really don't care. Um, That like shrinks my bug bite amazingly. Um, And yeah, I can't believe it. And so, you know, I'm looking at this, you know, there's one website that it's called indigoherbs.co. I'm looking at plantain benefits and, um, yeah, I guess the, again, going back to like Scotland, it's also called the healing blade for its use in treating wounds. So especially from swords, I guess. So I personally haven't used it to actually apply to cuts and things, but that is another use of it is, and again, that Alan, Alan Tonin, this uh, skin soothing agent, um, it's helping with cell growth. It, it's just it's amazing. Um, but then also plantain is used for respiratory health. Um and digestive health. So again, that mucus, it actually really does help. Um, And then it's an immune system booster as well. And so um, for me, the way that I have been taking it or using it has been those like spit pulses, you know, uh, put it on a bug bite, things like that. Um, But there's also people that make tea out of it. Um, You know, they'll either dry plantain and then they'll put hot water, make it as a tea and drink it, you know, internally. Or there's other herbalists that have turned it into a tincture. So they've mixed um, the the plant leaves with like an alcohol based or water something. They've let it sit for a number of weeks and months and they've turned they've extracted the elements out of the plantain leaf, put it into that substance and then they'll take it as medicine. And that's called a tincture. Um, so yeah, that is what I want to say about plantain. I highly recommend um, learning how to identify it just like as you're out in the summer, the mosquitoes are crazy right now. They've been going after me every time I try to go outside in the evening and you know once in a while they get me and yeah, I just I go find some plantain and seriously feel so much better. So, Um, that is the herb that we will be talking about. Yeah. That we're featuring this month. And I hope that you all can, yeah, find it in your own backyards and then use it the next time that you have a bug bite or a cut. Um, thank you. And on to the next one. Okay, so hi everyone. Um, thank you for being here. And yeah, today we're all going to talk about uh, cannabis and the legalization of it. And actually, before we start, um, I want you all to go around and introduce yourselves. So just say um, your name and then I guess why you're here and if there's any particular like businesses or organizations that you're representing. Hey everybody, I am Reggie Keith, uh, founder and president of Canna House. Uh, we are a cannabis-centric social club. 
uh, where we curate and host activity-based events. So Puffin Paints and Murder Mysteries, Cooking with Cannabis, kind of a full gauntlet of things. And um, I'm always down to have a dope conversation about weed and um, where we should be, kind of how we should be moving in this space as things develop from kind of a culture to an industry. And so I'm really um, happy to be here to talk with some dope folks about it. Uh, my name is Pavel Belov. I'm the owner of Ground Level Distribution uh, and Buffalo Buds and partner in Glassroots, which is a head shop in Batavia. Um, I started in cannabis probably almost 15 years ago from having juvenile rheumatoid arthritis and just finding alternatives to prescription drugs. And since then, it's just started me on this journey for the last five years, at least, in the business aspect of things to... Um, create new products and see the new items that people are making all over the industry and kind of bring them back to Buffalo. Hi everyone, my name is Nikam, co-founder of Sativa Remedy, a hemp dispensary in West New York, in Tonawanda, New York. Um, what we currently do here is vet and test um, different brands and products of hemp cannabinoid products, really looking forward to transitioning our hemp dispensary into a full-on cannabis dispensary. But I think the reason I got into the cannabis space was seeing the lack of consumer education and lack of access to quality, affordable plant medicine. And that's something that's really important to us as a platform is as this industry becomes more normalized, how do we make sure the folks that have been keeping this industry alive continue to stay involved and that the consumer education continues to rise as the industry continues to grow at this insane rate. We have to keep folks in the loop on what's going on both on the legal side, both on the consumption side, but also keeping the culture and the community really involved in this plant. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Um, I appreciate, yeah, all of you being here, and that's that's amazing. Yeah, I've definitely noticed, like, as I talk about um, cannabis with different people that have way different, you know, some people, like, are very comfortable with it and some aren't, and now that it's legal, I really am interested in talking about it even more and making sure that people understand what's going on. So, yeah, I think today, um, as a topic, we were going to cover like kind of the different types of uh, plants that are involved in this whole world. Um, so I don't know who wants to start first, um, but yeah, just kind of talking about how each of you like see the different types of plants and what they're used for. Um, yeah, go for it. Um, so I guess like to touch base, we cannabis has always been cannabis and this arbitrary um, split of hemp versus cannabis was really made during this prohibition era of cannabis, right? So hemp is defined by the federal government as anything with less than 0.3% delta 9 THC. Everything above 0.3% delta 9 is considered cannabis, but the reality of it is that we have to understand that hemp and cannabis are the same plant and depending on how it's grown and what it is grown for and what products are made from it, there are just really stark differences, but very 
important similarities that we need to understand, both as consumers, educators, business owners. Um, there's industrial hemp, which has so many usages in so many industries from paper to concrete. But then we also talk about hemp cannabinoid products, products that are naturally low in THC, but that can also provide wonderful medicinal benefits for those who don't care for the psychoactive effects of THC. Then we get into cannabis, which can have varying amounts of THC. And we have to then talk about hemp and cannabis and talk past CBD and THC, but we can go into that, I feel like, on another episode. But really, the biggest takeaway is that the main difference between hemp and cannabis is comparative to the differences between your favorite varieties of apples. Still all apples. That's a good way to put it. Yes, they're all apples. Yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, the psychoactive, um, I guess, kind of in layman's terms, right, because I, I speak to this, uh, I, I move a lot with the THC circle, um, and so uh, THC is the party, right? That's kind of what everybody's um, socially known um, or kind of accepted and uh, has been passed around in circles, and it has wonderful medicinal benefits as well, um, and I think CBD um, derived from hemp products <coughs> um, or hemp plants um, really has, I think, taken a real forefront to the fight. Um, because hemp was uh, federally legalized first, it gave a great entry point for people to kind of enter the game. Uh, here's Sativa Remedy is a great example, right? They saw how they can set up um, um, uh, a precursor for legalized adult use cannabis, right? And so they can transition into that. Um, market. So I think in just in reference to um, how we interact with the plants, um, you know, that's a, a, a very clean understanding of like, hey, you know, we party with that plant. Um, CBD kind of came along, had some really dope medical benefits. It doesn't necessarily get you psychoactively high. Um, and that's kind of how you can introduce, you know, crowds that weren't really a, into it before, maybe older crowds or people who are like, hey, I want to hear about the benefits, but I don't necessarily want to be high. So I think that's, um, you know, good way of kind of like grouping it along with what Neil was saying. Yeah. And what's interesting is that in a lot of ways, they're all the same genetic. Um, and before legalization or before the market kind of opened up, that pushed the products either one way or another, depending on what the consumers wanted. It was all free-growing cannabis and at that point it was just kind of picked out and, and phenotyped to be able to tell all right this grows better for extracting fiber and oils and growing seeds and then this other form is better for smoking or this other form is better for medicinal purposes and uh, <clears throat> what's interesting is that the amount of uses that this plant has had and the reasons why it was banned in the first place was because of all the applications that it has. I mean, industrial hemp in particular, you can get everything from soil to fiber to um, uh, biofuels out of it. There's ways to create plastic out of the fibers that they have in hemp. And in a lot of ways, these were threatening to other industries, and that's mm -hmm. why they were banned in the first place. So with the resurgence of hemp and cannabis and all of the products that come with it, we're now seeing the, the reopening of a lot of the the lost knowledge that was kind of there before, but we're kind of regaining it and splitting it in a lot of ways because, you know, even the classification of CBD and THC isn't really proper when it comes to the genetics because the plant should have both no matter what. And uh. it 
creates the most benefit to the person medicinally, recreationally, even in industrially, if it has the right genetic mix of both. And right now we're kind of just selecting one or the other, but down the road, there's going to be more of a demand for products that have a good blend of THC and CBD. So you get the psychoactive effects that help soothe the medicinal effects as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I definitely have liked coming to this shop and getting the CBD flower and using that. Um, yeah, just in different times when it isn't a party, but I still want to feel the effects. Um, it's really made a huge difference. So thank you to all of you. Um, all right. Well, yeah, we're, we're actually run, we're moving right along and this is about to say goodbye. So um, before we do that, though, um, I just wanted to talk about, um, yeah, kind of where we are right now in this new world of a law. Yeah, the law was passed. What was that, February or March it March, passed? Yeah. In March. Okay. And now we're almost in July somehow. Um, so yeah, I guess if you all wanted to take a take a turn to talk about like where we are in this uh, time and what you're kind of looking forward to in the future. Um, yeah, what should people know about what's going on now and what they can see soon? So right now, what's, what's interesting is um, there's a big transition, um, especially what, you know, was formerly called the black market was, is, you know, now being um, brought to light as a legacy market because the reality of it is that there's a lot of industries that existed within the cannabis space that were not safe for over a decade, for probably the last 25 years. You know, there's um, glass blowers that were making pipes that were supposed to be labeled for tobacco use only, even though everyone knew when they were walking out the door they were buying a bong. Um, there was a lot of shops and, and people that pioneered this industry that allowed it to become what it is today. And, you know, one of the main concerns that I think a lot of people have um, was how that transition is going to happen, how expensive it is to be able to get into the actual industry, and how accessible it's going to be for the mom and pop brands to actually build up. Because one of my biggest concerns is that with the excitement that comes with legalization, people are doing the groundwork, but won't be able to have the access. So what'll end up happening is that the bigger corporations will wanna come in and seem like they're local and friendly and want to buy up all the little brands, but it's all a matter of how those brands were able to be put out onto the market in the first place. You know, Were they able to have the assistance? Were they able to be given the opportunities that they needed to be successful? For sure, for sure. I think, um, yeah, he brings a great point about um, the transition into um, legality, especially with um, small businesses who most of the time, honestly, are first-time legal entrepreneurs, right? So they're running into tons of things they haven't, you know, experienced before. Um, and so I do think training is a huge, a huge um, opportunity, I think, being missed by the state. You know, the state, if, if the goal is to, and big shout out to Crystal People Stokes, who got, you know, 50% equity put into the bill. I mean, that's just groundbreaking, right? But if the goal and the intent behind this law is to really put people in the best situation to be successful, you know, then what resources have you provided in order for them to do that? And so just saying this is going to be legal in a couple months, because we know we never have dates, yeah. right? So we're all just guessing when this stuff will happen and who's going to be put in these positions. Nothing's really a transparent process. And so 
um, it really isn't coming upon the community, us, you know, gathering together and making sure that we're passing along information that we're gaining from different resources. Um, and then I also would say you know, this is like a, a public challenge to, you know, those, you know, um, attorney offices, a lot of these other um, ancillary businesses that will make money off everybody looking to apply and get in the game. Um, I think it's upon them too. It's incumbent upon them to make sure that they're preparing these potential clients, right, to get into the game and be successful. Um, other than that, you're just going to be stealing people's money as they're, you know, looking for your services. So um, I just want to emphasize that. Um, absolutely, I think we're in a great state in terms of um, the upside of where cannabis is going to go. Um, legally, definitely in New York State. And I think New York State is the precursor for federal legalization. So us getting it right the right way here um, really could have a large effect on how this looks um, across the country. And so, um, yeah, man, I think um, last thing I want to say is um, anybody who out there really wants to get in the game, get ready. You know, education is the first thing. Understand, you know, what exactly you're getting into, kind of transition from your street knowledge or any just regular knowledge we had as just consumers and then really learning the science behind cannabis um, finding your tribe making sure you get people around you who think like you can help you um, foster your gifts and your talents um, and then third is you know understanding how to assess the market really see the values and the voids um, that aren't being filled and see how you can use your transferable skills from what you're doing now and move into the game and so yeah that's all I got. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, no, I think um, I agree with what Pavel and Reggie have to say. And I think New York State really set the bar high. And it took a lot of work from the advocates on the ground floor to um, our mayor, who, India Walton, who really spearheaded um, advocacy for us in Western New York to mm -hmm. Crystal People Stokes, who really has fought years for this, um, that the MRTA really set the golden standard for what equity and inclusion really means in the cannabis industry. So while I choose to remain hopeful and a hyper optimist, because that's what we need in the industry is that us as entrepreneurs, that we're here to make a social impact and do well for ourselves, but also do well for our communities. And it's going to be up to us, those have who have started in this industry, whether it was five years ago, 10 years ago, or 15 years ago, to continue building this legacy and making sure that all things, that the I's are dot, the T's are crossed, that that 50 percent promise of equity is met through access and that for me the biggest thing is I understand that with legalization we're not really freeing the plant as more so we're entering a hyper-regulated state mm. of the plant but it really needs to be people before profits right we're gonna see huge MSOs come into the industry and I always say big businesses will do as big businesses do and those of us who are here to make impact, we will hold those big businesses accountable for investing, actually reinvesting into the communities that they plant their seeds in. And us as entrepreneurs in our communities, we have to plant and water those seeds and make sure that the fruit of all of our labors go right back to the people. Yeah, thank you. Um, all right, so I guess I'll see you all next month. Um, does anyone else have anything else they want to say to close us out? That was, that was great. All right, well, thank you all for being here, and yeah, see you soon. Mm -hmm.
Hi again, Eva. Hey, Laura. <laughs> How are you today? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. It's, yeah, been another month, a little more. I'm a little, I didn't do the exact uh, second Saturday of June that I wanted to, but I'm grateful to be here. And yeah, I want you to take it away with yeah any thoughts that you have now. And if you want to get into the deck or, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess that as far as tarot goes, it's definitely been an interesting time to do readings. Um, mm. And the last couple of days with this Capricorn full moon, um, I did a couple readings close to when the moon was exact. Ooh. And I used two different decks and both people got the same two cards in the same positions mm-hmm. <laughs> within a couple yeah. hours of each other so yeah i feel like there's some big collective energy going on and maybe we'll tap into it today um, yeah with yeah. the tarot that's awesome yeah i i've been seeing yeah just different like patterns and synchronicities around everywhere and yeah definitely the the energy of this entire week has been so intense i know um, for so many reasons it's like yeah this past weekend it was Juneteenth, so officially a national holiday for the first time. Everyone's off. And then it was the Juneteenth celebration. It was leading up to the primary election. It was an Ooh, air We're going to have a new mayor. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, yep, we are... Um, yeah working to make that actually to make that a reality and it's um it's gonna be i am deeply excited about um what's happening and what's gonna keep happening me too yeah to see what unfolds (laughs) um because certainly yep okay so i thought we would just pick a card from the deck especially since we have these big energies going on i thought we would let them guide us a little bit so I'm just choosing, we have the Page of Wands. So the suit of wands represents the fire element. And it has to do with like our intention, our will, our desires. Um, and really what moves us forward is going to be part of the wands. And here from the modern witch tarot, there's, um, you know, someone here, she's wearing like a cute overalls. They're yellow. I like them. I wish I owned them. <laughs> right. Holding onto a wand. There's kind of a desert scene. Yeah, so it's like a huge one. It's like a staff. Yeah. Know. A lot large yeah. wand, bigger than her head <laughs> with some little, um, you know, the wands are often depicted as like these... Uh, branches with like little growth coming out of them and all of the pages um represent this sort of the pages are the air element and Mm. so we have fire and air coming together here Mm -hmm. and um the pages are kind of like when we're just starting to master something so we've been through a whole path now with the wands so with our will with our intention with our desires with what we've been moving forward on we've been through some ups and downs things are starting to sort of look like they're going to end up um and we're beginning to get a sense that we know how to work 
with what we've created with the page. Um, so it's kind of a beginning of a little adventure. I like that she's out in the desert. It kind of seems like really fiery energy. Um, there's no water here. So mm. our emotional energy kind of is off somewhere else and it's not here to muck things up and we've just got this forward moving momentum and i kind of in this in this image i kind of imagine her like she's kind of looking off and up and maybe contemplating like now that i have this power what do i do with it what's Mm. next how do i make these new realities into what I would truly desire them to be. What mm. do you think? I like that. I think that's good. Um, especially, yeah, with uh, what we just said. Yeah, Buffalo has a new mayor elect, and I'm yeah, I'm seeing that. Like, okay, here here's this new staff that I have, um, and moving forward, and yeah, looking at these like small growths of leaves that have the potential to really like blossom and grow up. And yeah, I, I didn't think about the no water part. Um, but yeah, like water is needed to grow things and they're just sprouting. So it's almost like she's like getting ready to get moving to like help that staff grow. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Yeah. There's a way to think about, um, the, the page knights, queens and kings where we think of like the page as maybe like um having the energy of like childhood and Mm. the knights are like adolescents and then the king and queens are kind of like adulthood right so when i think about that you know there's like this hierarchy we can put things into um with like you know um what it means to be an adult and what it means to be a child but actually i think about with the page, like having a fresh perspective mm-hmm. and and kind of things for the page, everything's new. And so with this like new material, new information, new perspective with the wands, probably mm-hmm. new energy. Yeah. We're able to kind of like um, with our imagination, with our vision we're able to kind of see it in new ways, the way that when children are kind of met with the world, they can see all these possibilities um, that people who have maybe had their ideas more restricted by the way things are, are not quite able to see. So the the pages have a lot of vision, I think, in that sense. And creative ability. And also with the air element of the page, it's like the air element has to do with our thinking and has to do with our imagination. Mm -hmm. And so here we have like energy and imagination coming together. Also like childhood. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I've definitely been uh, just like, yeah, my, my living situation and all these things. Yeah. Definitely like revisiting childhood themes like a lot and yeah, childhood can, yeah, there's like the reminiscing of it and then, there's also like just the collective childhood of like being in like a new chapter of like, yeah, what's coming. Um, also, yeah, again, I'm going back to this desert part, like just like how much like wasteland we're all like we've all been dealing with and just like 
yeah, like just the the desertification of like the earth and like our our like democracy and just like yeah, how to like how to move forward. Um, I love and, that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what do we do with this wasteland? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, like I'm like looking up to imagine like the possibilities. So yeah. Um, I know at first when you drew it, you know, you're like a powerful collective card. And then it was like the page of wands, which is like, <laughs> aw. Um, but really, like, that's, you know, like the the inexperience, but also like why that is so important right now. Um, the just the ability to imagine a different future. Um, yeah. For sure. Yeah. And a lot of like um, new energy. With, and it's not really new energy with the page of wands, because like I said, it's it's been culminating and it's been mm-hmm. through a lot, but it's finally getting to the point where it's energy that can um, kind of be harnessed. Mm-hmm. So new energy to be harnessed. Yeah. And when you were talking, I thought um, someone told me, Claire actually told me that astrologically right now we're going through a period of reexamining the things we were taught in childhood Mm. and the ways that we were parented. So if you think of that collectively, you know, that could be the way that we interact with institutions. I'm sure. Oh yeah. That's beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel that really strongly. Um, yeah, definitely like looking back at like what I experienced, what I was taught. Um, yeah. Like from actual parents to parental figures to authority figures and, um, and how, how, how much I needed to learn uh, as I moved forward into adulthood. Because I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that too because all of the pages are eager to learn. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Eva. Um, oh, you're so welcome. Yeah, this was beautiful. And we'll Thanks talk again for having me. next month. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Keeping Things Alive podcast. For more information, please visit www.keepingthingsalive.org.